Please open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verses 15 through 21. This will take us to the end of chapter 4. 1 John 4, 15 through 21. And if you are able, please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he, has, whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Pray with me, please. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are true. God, they are sweeter than the honey of the comb. And as we come to your word, we seek after it. We chase after it. We want to put it in our hearts. We know it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. God, open our eyes. Open our ears to the things of God today. And may we see Christ and what you have done for us. Thank you for this time. If there's someone here who has never trusted Jesus for salvation, we pray for that one today that he or she would come to know you through the power of your Holy Spirit. And for believers, may we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Let's start off with a question for you today. What are you afraid of? Or what scares you the most? As you think about your answer to that question, let me share with you a story about when I was eight years old. Being eight years old, I rode the school bus every day to school and from home, and, and from home from school. But when the school bus would drop me off after school, the school bus would never drop me off in front of my house. It would drop me off about 500 yards from my house, which meant that I had to walk that 500 yards home. Now, that might not sound like a, a big deal. I mean, an eight-year-old kid could walk 500 yards, no problem. But what I haven't told you yet is that I had to walk by Mr. Long's house every day after school. I had to walk by Mr. Long's house. And the problem with that was that Mr. Long had a dog. He had a little black dog. And that dog was not in a fence. It was not on a leash. That dog just roamed anywhere he wanted to go. 
And every day, that little dog would sit on the front porch. And every day, that school bus would drop me off, and I would just be, I would be hating what I was getting ready to do because I would have to walk down the road in front of Mr. Long's house, and it never seemed to fail. Every single day, that dog saw me coming, and as soon as he saw me coming, he jumped up off that porch, ran down the hill in attack mode, and just bark, 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 bark. And I'll tell you, as I approached Mr. Long's house, I would always approach like this. But it, it never failed. He always saw me. And as soon as he saw me and started running, I went running. I ran the other way as fast as I could run to my house. See, I was scared to death of that little dog. And I had... I agonized about it. I had fear of that dog. Now, what would my dad say? He'd say, Adam, don't worry about that dog. That dog is all bark and no bites. Well, let me tell you something. To an eighth grade or an eight-year-old boy, that didn't work. All I saw was a dog sprinting towards me with teeth out, running at me, and I just couldn't get it. I, I just had so much fear and so much agony about that dog, I ran home every day. Now, as time went on, and I grew up, got a little older, I realized that the older and more mature I became, I realized, you know what, there's really no reason to be afraid of that dog. I realized that my dad was right. He was all bark and no bite. And I finally came to the point that I realized that all my fears were completely unnecessary. But I had to grow through that. I had to mature through that. But all my fears were unnecessary. You know, I share this story with you today. Because in this passage right here in 1 John 4, the Apostle John talks about a group of people that also live in fear. And it's not just any group of people, it's Christians. Christians who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord, their Savior, their God. But these Christians are living with an impending fear of the judgment of God in their lives. That day in, day out, they agonize. This is, got to stay right here. Day in and day out, they agonize about what is going to happen to them when they stand before the Almighty God on that final day. Is God going to send them to hell or will they actually be able to go to heaven? This was what was going on in their hearts. And it was so impressed their lives that it caused them to lose heart. And it calls them to live in fear. Now with that in mind, the Apostle John, who is their teacher and also their pastor, he does what he has already done so many times in this book. He takes the issue and he deals with it head on. He directly speaks to this issue and he teaches not only that original reading audience, but he teaches all of us today. That God is a loving and gracious God and that as His people, we can live with confidence and not fear. 
You're going to see it in the text today. Because these scriptures are going to teach us the same lesson that I learned when I was eight years old. We do not have to fear. All of those fears are completely unnecessary. And just as I had to mature as an eight-year-old growing up in my life, we as Christians are called to maturity today to hear and understand what the gospel really says about our future so that we can have confidence in God and not fear. Today, this text breaks down into three simple points. They all start with the letter C. I've put them in the pastoral message in your bulletin, so that might be a a jump start for you of where we're going today. But as John speaks to us in this text today, he talks about these three things. First of all, in verse 17, he's going to talk about the Christian confidence that we're speaking about. Secondly, he calls us to maturity. And thirdly, he speaks of Christ's initiative and call. So Christian confidence in verse 17, a call to maturity in verse 18, and Christ's initiative and call in verses 19 through 21. But let's jump back and look at that first point about Christian confidence. Let's look at verse 17 one more time together. Here's what the Bible says. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have what? confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world you know one thing that we have found studying this book of first john and throughout the pages of scripture is this is that god is in the business of calming the fears of his people we've talked about this before but let's let's look at some of Kind of open up the whole Bible and see where God does this. Do you remember Joshua chapter 1? The Bible says Moses had died. And Joshua was getting ready to take the people of God into the promised land. Think about what might be going on in Joshua's mind. Joshua might be saying, man, this is a frightening thing. My leader just died. There's some people over there in that land They're going to be opposing me and all of us. This is a frightening time. This is an agonizing time. But right in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, that that great verse that many of you have memorized, God says this to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. And here it is. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, right before Joshua goes in, God says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Let me calm your fears. A few moments ago, lad stood at this pulpit and he read about Jairus' daughter, 12 years old. Jairus had run to Jesus and said, can can you heal my child? But there was a delay. And Jairus' servant came and said, don't bother Jesus, your daughter has died. Can you imagine what was going on in his heart and his mind right then? He had to be terribly afraid. He had to be agonizing over what was going on in his house. And you might not have noticed this, but what's the first thing Jesus said to him? Do not fear. Jairus, do not fear. I'm here with you. 
Just like he told Mary and Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. Don't have any fear. We remember those shepherds. When, when the announcement of Jesus Christ was announced to those shepherds, they were terrified. You remember that? Terrified. And the first thing the angel said to those shepherds was what? Fear not. Because I bring you good tidings of great joy. Think about Resurrection Day. Jesus rose from the dead. Those three ladies had come to the tomb. The the rock rolls away. They see this appearance of an angel like white lightning. The Bible says they were afraid. And they see Jesus. You know the first thing Jesus says to them? Do not be afraid. Beloved, God is in the business of calming the fears of his people. And knowing that fact is going to help us understand this passage right here in 1 John 4. Because as I mentioned a moment ago, that is just going to sink and sink, isn't it? (laughs) Y'all have some entertainment value today. (laughs) Knowing that fact... Knowing, knowing this, that John is writing to a people who have fear. What are they fearing? This text says they're fearing the judgment of God. They're fearing that day where they have to stand before God and what's going to happen on that day. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And for these folks, judgment was a fearful thing. It had become a very unpopular thing because it was fearful. But in the midst of fearful judgment, their pastor, their teacher, John, comes alongside them. And he teaches them that as they approach the judgment of God, they should have confidence, not fear. Look at it, verse 17. Read it one more time. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have what? Confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Confidence, John says. Why can a believer have confidence instead of fear? Well, he answers it right in the verse. It's that last phrase. Look at it. It says, as he is, so also are we in this world. Well, what does that mean? As he is. It's talking about Jesus. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is completely righteous. That he was tempted just like we are yet without sin. It says when God looks at Christ, he sees perfection. He sees purity. Yet we know that's not us, is it? The Bible speaks to us and says we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. How could we be as he is? the whole message of salvation, the whole message of the gospel. You see, the Bible teaches us that for Christians, that God has called us to faith in Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit has changed our heart from being dead to alive unto God, and He has given us the faith to believe in Jesus Christ. And when we repent and trust Jesus as salvation, the Bible says that all the righteousness that belong to Christ is charged to our lives. The Bible says, yes, our sins have been put on Him. 
He died for our sins, but Christ's righteousness has been charged to our account. It's called the great exchange that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, it's not because of anything that you have done or I have done that we have our standing before God. It's because of what Jesus has done for us. And God has taken his life work and charged it to your life and to my life if you were a believer. One commentator said it this way, that when you trust Christ for salvation, when you've been justified by faith, he says it this way, he says that God sees us as if we have lived the life of Christ. He looks at us as if sin had died and therefore no condemnation will come over me. I'm a son, I'm an heir, I'm a child of the king. Beloved, one of the most powerful, one of the most comforting things God could ever tell us is do not fear. And he does so right in this text. So if you are here today and you have trusted Jesus Christ by grace through faith, yet in your mind you are dreading standing before the almighty God, I pray that your faith, which is based on Scripture, will be fed by Scripture today. Did you hear that? Your faith, which is based on Scripture, needs to be fed by Scripture. Let's feed our faith with Scripture today. Because the Apostle Paul, as he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote 13 books of the Bible. And Paul found him in places where he was getting ready to die. One of them was Philippians chapter 1. Paul's in a Roman prison. He says, hey, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. But then he says, if God takes me, if God chooses to take me and I die in this world, he says in Philippians 1, that's better by far because he knew he'd be with Jesus. You see, that's confidence, not fear. Think about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. You'll know it when I say it. To be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. That's what Paul says. He says, the moment I leave this life, I'm going to be with Jesus. That's confidence, not fear. As he's writing to that young church in Thessalonica, they're wondering, what happens when you die? What happens when a Christian dies? They didn't know. And Paul wrote to them, and he said this, when a Christian dies, you can have grief. But it's not a grief without hope because that person has hope because that person has Jesus. You see, that's confidence. That's not fear. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Man, underline this one in your Bible. Paul is talking to us about struggling with his own sin in chapter 7. And in chapter 8, verse 1 of Romans, he says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who who are in Christ. How much condemnation? No condemnation for those who are in Christ. You see, that's confidence, not fear. Because of our relationship with Jesus, Paul could say, as the song in Christ alone says, there's no guilt in life, and hey, listen, there's no fear in death. So beloved, if you're here today, and you've trusted Christ for salvation, If you are living and abiding in Christ, as this text says, have no fear. 
You can look upon that day of judgment with confidence, with boldness. But it has nothing to do with what we have done, right? It has everything to do with what Christ has done and what God has charged to our lives. Because as he is, so are we because of his work in our lives. So we can have Christian confidence. Well, that leads us to our second point today. The second point is a call to maturity. It's found in verse 18. Look at it. There is no fear in love, but perfect fear casts, or excuse me, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This is a call to maturity. Now, if you're a parent here today, you know what watching a child grow looks like. Grow, the, that child growing into or maturing into different stages of his or her life. You know, an infant will mature into a toddler. A toddler matures into a, a child. A child will mature into a pre-adolescent, if that can even be considered any type of maturity. Um, <coughs> happens to be what I'm dealing with right now. Um, they take the next step, right, to being a teenager, to being, you, you get it, right? We watch our children grow through stages of development, through stages of maturity. We think about our own lives. Do you ever think back, you and say, man, I'm a completely different person than when I was in high school, <laughs> or this or that. And we, and we think about growing up in life, and as we grow, as we change, we look back and say, man, there were some growing pains in this area of my life. Is any teenager who's currently sitting here today watched the show Growing Pains? There was actually a show called Growing Pains in the 80s. Growing Pains, right? When you're grinding through something, you're maturing in something, you're not there yet, you're growing towards it, you're maturing in your, in your body, in your mind, in your emotions. Hey, guess what? The same, the same thing is true spiritually. Just as we grow physically and mentally, the Bible says we need to grow spiritually. Paul had a conversation with the Corinthians about this, chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. He said, I wanted to give you spiritual some meat to eat, spiritual meat, but I couldn't because you're still a, a, a baby in Christ. You still got to drink the milk. Had a discussion about spiritual maturity. See, that's what John's talking about here. He's talking about a growth in maturity. Now, the thing about the Christian life is, just like our physical lives, our emotional lives, the Christian life, you don't understand everything at one time. I mean, when you came to Jesus, did you know everything there is about the Bible? No. We grow in that, right? We mature in that. It's called sanctification. See, we just talked about justification, being declared righteous by God. That's instant. That's instantaneous. But sanctification is progressive. And the whole time we're here on this earth, God is growing us in our faith. None of us have arrived. And right here, you see John calling these believers to sanctification. He's calling them to growth in grace. And this text says that though God clearly gives us his gift of love, 
And though he offers to us confidence in the day of judgment, that because of the progressive nature of sanctification and because the remnants of our own sin, we're going to be slow to get that. Because there are remnants of sin and God's love are coexisting together. Yet God calls us to mature in our faith. He calls us to be perfected in love. And what does love do when it's perfected? It casts out fear. Love casts out fear. And that's what John is telling these believers. Grow in your faith so that your fear is casted out. Now, we ask the question, what causes those fears? What causes doubts in our minds? We talked about this a few weeks ago. Oftentimes, what causes fear and doubt in the heart of a Christian is what I'll call unbiblical feelings or misinformed feelings. A few weeks ago, we talked about this. There's what you feel and there's what you know. And by what you know, I mean Scripture, that which is absolutely true. But oftentimes in life, what we feel doesn't match up with what we know. But we make the mistake all too often of letting unbiblical or uninformed or misguided feelings start to come above what we know God's Word says. And when we do that, our feelings speak down to God's Word, and this is not a good way to live. If you live this way, what's going to happen in your heart and mind? Things called anxiety, things called doubt, things called fear. Because you're basing your life on maybe the way you feel a certain day instead of what you know God's Word says. Now, one of the reasons that might be true is maybe you don't know what God's Word says, so this is all you got. So John in this passage is saying, Be matured in your Christian faith because these two things, what you feel and what you know, those aren't on equal playing grounds. Those two things should not have the same authority in our lives. And it definitely shouldn't be this way. It should be this way. We know that answer. Let me ask you this question. What's more trustworthy? What you feel or what God says? We all know the answer, right? It's one thing to know the answer. It's another thing to act on it. So what does God call us to do? How is God maturing our faith? God is telling us, you put the Word of God primary in your life, and you let God's Word speak down to the way you feel. Because when it's the other way, when your feelings speak down to God's Word, you become your own God. Your theology becomes an inch deep and a mile wide. But when you let God's word dictate to you what you should know, what you should believe, what you should feel, that's when you grow in grace. That's when you mature in your faith. What are some practical examples of this? Some practical examples you could say is taking all those verses we quoted a a minute ago from Philippians, Corinthians, Thessalonians, and Romans, and not just hearing them, but actually believing them. That when God says it is when you, when you die to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, it's believing Him and having confidence in what He says about your condition instead of what you think about your condition. It is hearing God when He says there's no condemnation 
to those who are in Christ, it is taking God at his word and understanding that you can live in freedom, that you can live in confidence in your relationship with God. And for these Christians in this book, not be terrified on the day of judgment. You see, their faith needed to be matured. And John calls them to that maturity in verse 18. He says, listen, if you have fear, there's no fear in love. It's not there. But perfect love casts out fear. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Therefore, mature. Mature in your faith. If you're putting your feelings above what God says, that's the wrong way to live. Let God's word speak down to what you think, to what you feel, and let your feelings catch up so that you're living a life that is being directed totally by God's word. I think, first of all, many of us have to understand this. This is an issue. Many of us have to admit that we're trusting our misinformed feelings instead of trusting God. And many of us have to let the rubber hit the road. Allowing God's word to speak into your heart and to your life. The Holy Spirit is there to minister to you through the written word of God. To plant the seed of God's word in your heart that you might grow. It brings us all back to 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures God breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Many times the word of God's got to rebuke us, correct us, so that we can be trained by it. So that you live with confidence and not fear. Thirdly, and finally this morning, we've seen Christian confidence. We've seen Christ's call to maturity. Finally, we see Christ's initiative, and we see his call. Look at, again at verse 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You read books like 1 John, like James, some of these books in the Bible, what you're going to see is the same theme repeated over and over and over in the book. He doesn't just say something once. He says it multiple times throughout the book. That's exactly what you're seeing right here. Because in this text, John talks about God's initiative to love us first and God's call for us to love our neighbors as ourselves. I want you to do this with me. You have to have your Bibles open. We're going to explore 1 John real quick. 1 John, we're going to explore it because these two truths, we've seen them before. Where have we seen Christ's initiative before? We saw it in chapter 4, verse 10. Look at it. Chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. In this is love, not that we love God, but that what? He loved us. You see God's initiative. God loved us first is what that says. Look at verse 11. You see the call to love other people. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Right there's the call to love other people. Look back at chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Here it is again, the call to love others. 
Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. But whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Look at chapter 3, verse 11. You see it again. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Parents, when you tell your children to do something one time, do you mean it? We mean it. When you repeat yourself a second time, we're adding emphasis, right? Do we really mean it? Yes. When we tell them three times, four times, we're trying to say to our kids, hey, pay attention, please. This is very important. Open your ears. You need to hear this. We do that as parents all the time. So does John. You saw him repeat himself so many times. It's because this call or this initiative by Christ and his call to love others is so important in the Christian life. But let's, let's look at what he's saying. Verse 19. You know this verse. We love because he first loved us. He repeats it. Christ initiative. What does that mean? John wants us to know man didn't seek God. God sought man. It was God's initiative towards us. His love towards us. And now, John is saying, because God has loved us, we can go love other people. He goes back to that teaching that we started a few weeks ago. The vertical driving the horizontal. The theology driving practice. What we know about God determines the way we live our lives. You see it again right here. What do we know about God? He loved us. He gave us everything that he had. Therefore, he says, go live horizontally. Go love others just as I have loved you. And there's this continual call to love others. We can never forget what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says the distinguishing mark of a follower of Jesus Christ is his love for other people. That's the distinguishing mark. Beloved, if God has so loved each and every one of us, how can we not be patient and kind and long-suffering? How can we not love our brother? That is the call that God says to live on a daily life. We know love seeks nothing in return. It always points this way instead of this way. It forgives quickly. It bears others' burdens. It sacrifices to meet others' needs. It simply reflects Jesus. That's what love is. And you see John continually calling us to this love. Beloved, in closing today, if you're a Christian here today, this text has spoken so much to you and to me. It has first taught us that Christian confidence, right? That we can have confidence, not fear. Let the words of Romans 8, 1 inform your heart. Let your faith, which is based on Scripture, be fed by Scripture. Hear the words of Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Secondly, see the call to maturity. To keep maturing in your faith, not setting your feelings above God, but letting God inform your feelings by His Word. There is no fear in love. Finally, remember Jesus' initiative towards you and His call for you to love others just as He has loved you. But if you were here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ for salvation, I cannot say to you, live in confidence and have no fear. Because the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And if you walked in here today without Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you have nothing but fear within your heart. Because there is a good God who knows all things. And for those who do not love Him, those who do not know Him, there is a real place called hell, an eternal separation from God. But I have good news for you today. It's that the same confidence as believers have today, you can walk out and have in your heart and mind today. Not because you heard this preacher or because you came to church today or because you've done anything good today. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. See, Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for your sins so that you can be saved from the eternal consequences of your sin, that you can be saved from hell, that you can be saved from a life without God. And Jesus says to you, come all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says to you that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, guess what, shall not perish but have eternal life. You can walk out of here with confidence instead of fear. And if that's you today, you need to talk to someone, I'm here for you. I've got elders and deacons who would love to speak with you as well. More than anything in this world, we want you to know Jesus Christ and follow hard after him all the days of your life. Hear the gospel. Come to Christ today. Let's pray.